We're here to help you navigate your business growth with strategic conversations and insights from experts in multiple industries. Welcome to Wayfinding Growth. This episode is brought to you by Impulse Creative. I'm Jackie, and if you want to see real results and work with great humans to grow your business, then Impulse Creative is your agency, and I'm your contact. Reach out to me through our website, impulsecreative.com today, and let's chart your course for growth. From a website that will get results to helping implement a marketing strategy, we're here to help your business grow. Welcome, Wayfinders. I'm Remy Tabeg. And hey, I'm Dan Moyle, and we're so glad you're here. On today's episode that you're listening to or viewing, we are talking with Jason Troy. Now, Jason's a, a coach who works with executives and entrepreneurs and what he calls rising stars to maximize mm -hmm. their leadership potential and performance. And that sounds kind of almost jargony, but it's not because he dives into why he does it and how he does it. Um, he's also the best-selling author of a book called Social Wealth. And it's this how-to guide on building extraordinary business relationships. And again, he dives into it in this conversation. I'm so excited. Uh, and, and what caught my eye was his TEDx Wilmington presentation, how to get coworkers to like each other. So that was pretty... Uh, pretty interesting TED talk and got me thinking. And I was like, I want this guy on our show. So Remington, what did you love about this episode, man? What were your takeaways? So I love the fact that, so he talks about in his TED talk, we kind of go, we're extending the episode a little bit, but he talks about his TED talk about play being like the gateway drug to building relationships. I thought that was pretty cool. Um, and then he created a game to enable it. So like true entrepreneur right there, right? He just like <laughs> had a problem and solved it. Um, but more so like in the, in the actual details of the episode, what I was really excited about, um, I'm always seeking feedback from like everyone, probably too much. Um, but the feedback question that he said was, you know, if you had to rate our relationship, you know, one to five, one being extreme distrust and five being extreme trust, where would we be? I thought it was really cool in how he said that question. But then also, like, it doesn't let someone be like, yeah, you're okay, right? Like, you, you kind of know where you're at. And he, he uncovered a piece there, and you got to listen to the full, his full rent on it. But if you're not both fives, then you've got a lot of work to do because there's so much opportunity for productivity if you were. Um, and that's something that I think if everyone's thinking that on the team about how they can foster and build those relationships, because it's like a, what did he say? Um, the relationship capital right mm -hmm. like that's everyone's responsibility to do so while you could do it in the feedback thing if you're mentally thinking about that where do i have this person it could be a really great way to gauge and have that conversation without throwing blame mm -hmm. um and on, on a similar turn he talked about also grading relationships on it like a scale of a scale just in general of one to ten mm -hmm. like how do you feel about our relationship our working relationship whatever and mm -hmm. And whatever their score is, then you ask the follow-up question. Because that's always like, yeah, I can ask you, yeah. how, how is it? That's a seven. All right, cool, good. And then you walk away. Right. His follow-up, though, was, and what can I do to help move us toward a 10? Yes. It's, it's not what's wrong with you. It's what can I do? And so that's such a way to serve someone else. I love that. Um, that was really good. And then the other thing I thought mm -hmm. was really good is I'm a big fan of soft skills. But I hate mm -hmm. that term. I hate it. It sounds so, I don't know, what woo-woo or unicorns or whatever, kind of BS, right? Yeah. Um, but he called him something, he called him something different. And so listen for that. Cause I think that different yeah. term is what we ought to use. I'm going to leave that as a teaser. So that was really good. <laughs> yeah. There you go. No, it was great. Uh, it was a great episode. Yeah. Awesome. And, um, and he didn't say this in, in the, in the interview, but I read this or I heard it on his Ted talk employees with a close work friend 
are seven times more loyal and more productive. And that's mm-hmm. why you should listen to this episode because that alone should get you thinking about your, your team, your employees, everything around you. So absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Right. You ready for this? So listen, I'm ready. Listen on the go. You want to do that? Remember we have audio only on your podcast player of choice. You can subscribe to us there. If you want to watch it, uh, go to wayfindinggrowth.com. You can see our episodes there. Be sure to subscribe wherever you are to get more. Here it is, my friends. Season three, episode five. Let's set that course for growth. Woo! Jason, welcome to the show. Appreciate you making time to be a Wayfinder today. How's it hey. going? Hey, wonderful. Thanks for having me on the show. Absolutely. So I want to take a page out of your book and we're going to start with something fun here. What is the one thing that makes you feel alive? One of your questions from your game. Uh, you know what? It's doing things like this and having conversations. So yeah. I love to be uh, working with people, you know, helping them. And I think going through the process of moving forward and creating, you know, a life that they love and are fulfilled in. Hmm. That's awesome. Good. Yeah, if I could. If I could get paid to do these, I'd, uh, you know, only Remington take, take note, just have conversations. Um, yeah. <laughs> I love that. Uh, so I'll, I'll, I'll jump in. One, the one thing that makes me feel alive, there are many, but, but one of the things is my motorcycle. I love to ride and when I can unplug and go for a ride, I, I do. So that's one of mine. Um, Remington, how about you? So for me, it's, um, it's playing the chess game, but in a, in a positive way, not in a manipulative way. Um, and kind of, figuring out problems you know whether they're mine or others um it's uh it's one of those things to be able to use experience and like let that compound and make others not have the same painful steps i took yeah (laughs) we'll put it that way curiosity is key so i love that to me is right that's one of my drivers yeah so you guys brought in the uh the professional side of it i was like i'm gonna go for a ride that's tells you about me doesn't it oh well that helps too though because i I used to have a bike I'm working on it. Okay. <laughs> right. Right. You're getting back. Right. Uh, yeah. So, so Jason, let's, let's get it back into, uh, into, into you. Uh, we like to chart our course. So I want to chart the course with you. How did you get to where you are today as this executive coach and this maker of a card game that helps people connect? You know, I mean, I started off every road windy. I started off in law school, getting my master's in communications, and I thought I'd go down that road. And then I decided I just didn't really love it as a profession and decided I when I got to Silicon Valley back in the gold rush because I, re- I knew that I'd be around a lot of smart people, a lot of innovation, and just a lot of craziness. And I thought, what better place to go and to learn from and to see. And so that really put me on my journey. And as I was going through the journey working with great people like Mark Cuban, Steve Jobs, and like tons of other people, and I got to see the good and bad in leaders. I got to see the good in teams and collaboration and communication. And I found that when people got in that zone and they were able to work with each other, they could do pretty incredible things. And on the other side, I saw dream teams of people that you thought never could fail, fall flat on their face. So I realized that through the years and doing all this, the common denominator was the people you surround yourself with and can you get them working at their maximum level, right? And not only themselves, but as a team itself. And everyone I work with has the same problem because they have a team. It's either either internal or external or both. 
and their ability to get the most out of them and get them engaged right, is the difference in where their business and really where their personal fulfillment goes as well. Sure. So an overnight success, that makes sense, right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's a couple of big names you had off. Mark Cuban, Steve Jobs, like you've had I've worked quite with a lot just... of people. You know, yeah. I mean, Mark Benioff, who's salesforce.com CEO, spent a yeah. lot of time. I mean, when you're in that place, it's just one of those times where you just run across just person after person. I was in the biggest VC's office working with, and like, you just are at that point, especially if you're, I was in a marketing agency that was like one of the best in Silicon Valley. So we had a lot of opportunity to pitch things and do things. So your level of effort and what you did was commensurate with the amount of people that you could meet and things you could do. Mm -hmm. And do you find that that giant level of the, the Benioffs and, and the, the jobs and the Cubans, do they have the same problems with growth and with, uh, culture and everything as those of us in smaller agencies do smaller companies. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's, it's, it's similar. It's just the scale is different. Sure. And I think the struggle is coming out more than ever now because the employment and just the opportunities that people have. And I just think generationally moving around the people problem, when you talk to all the really smart analysts that are doing this, they, they compare it with like being in the second inning of a baseball game. We're like the technology curve and getting all that integrated and things like that. And even the marketing is way beyond that. And so there's a lot of reasons for that, but that's the biggest problem now is how do we take a group of people and get the most out of them and mm -hmm. get them working together um, on a consistent basis. I mean, it's hard for everyone, whether that's remote, whether it's in person, whether it's virtual, international, it doesn't really matter. Um, right. People are all struggling with it because I talk to CRHOs, people heading large organizations and small, and they're all doing different things. And they're all struggling with the same problems and they don't really know how to solve them. So they're just taking swags at things and they're not really getting any better. And that tells you that we're at a sea change in what people are doing and the time they're spending on it. So. That's awesome. So I, I know you, um, in a, from your Ted talk video that I watched, you believe in a lack of, a lack of employee engagement in the workplace kills productivity. Um, and it's costing industries billions of dollars. Can you unpack that a little bit for us and, and our listeners and viewers? Yeah, because end of the day, it's how you're working with other people and getting to know them is holding people back on a team to doing great things, right? It's like, if you thought about the greatest team you've ever been on personally and professionally, and if you could take that same into your business, imagine what could end up happening at that point. And it's easy for people to check out and not stay motivated and not stay together and not work. And so it takes a concerted effort to really get down to the granular level of how do people tick? How do I build that trust with people? How do I build that wanting to care for other people? Um, and the core foundation level that everything really emanates from to f allow us to do our greatest work and other people to do theirs, the gigantic problem. And all the, it's, it's been bad for a long time. It's not like sure. we woke up, you know, a couple of years ago. The problem right. is, is that it's getting to the point where people can't avoid it because the costs are soaring and the competition's getting to the point where the difference between you and someone else is the people that you have. 
And you can sure. only scale those people so many. And in fact, you can, you know, all the time, I'll have clients with five, 10 people beating clients with 100, 500, or 1,000 people. Why? Because it's about the people you're surrounding yourself with and their ability to work together. And most people, it's so poor that a snake could crawl over it, right? But mm -hmm. the people running the businesses, it's a lot of their blind spots, lack of awareness, and lack of time putting in because they just don't know what to do and they're not getting help and they're not figuring it out, even if money is no object. Interesting. Awesome. So when you talk about, um, I, I wrote down trust, respect, friendship, is, is that all the same? Because I remember working with a, a guy who, and he said it not too long ago when I was just a friend of mine that I was talking to. And he says, you know, I don't have to be friends with people I work with. I just want to get my job done and do it well. And occasionally hear a nice job. But my friends are my friends and my family is I want to spend time with. My, my work people are just my coworkers. Can that be a real thing? Or are you proposing, Jason, that we need to be friends? Is there a difference? Well, I mean, I think you can, I don't necessarily say you have to be friends with people. I think it's a natural byproduct of it. I think the thing is we have to know the people around us and the experiences and the things that they like to do, the things that they don't, their pet peeves that are working style. We have to have their back. We have to care for them. We have to do those things as we would for the people in our inner circle in our personal life that are around us. Otherwise, they won't reciprocate. And it's sure. requirement to do it, right? So whether you want to be friends with someone or not, I would say to you that it'd be hard to avoid that on some level because you're acting like that and knowing all this information. The problem mm -hmm. is the lack of knowing it is what holds people back because then you start telling stories in your head and making up false right. narratives and you won't confront the other person because you don't care. And you're not in your hand, you have no relationship capital that if you don't say it the right way, they might hold it against you. If you tell your boss some information, you're worried about its career threatening, right? So all of these things create a lack of safety and they call it psychological safety that doesn't allow people to innovate at the levels and be creative and bring things forward, right? And then vice versa for people to give other people hard feedback. And so... Mm -hmm. You, and that all goes down to the core level of how much do I trust you? Sure. Because if I don't trust you, like I'm a, you know, all the research shows on a scale of one to five, five being extreme trust, one being extreme distrust. If I don't have a five and everyone around me doesn't have a five, you just can't do the best work possible. You can't be in that top 1% and be a leader. And if you get there some other way, you'll eventually collapse because there are a lack of other things that'll be going on around you, right? And a lot of it's truth and transparency and having hard conversations and be willing to go out on a limb and say things that might hurt you, but help other people. You just won't find that with groups of people, organizations that don't have those things. That's why you see companies like WD-40, which I laugh as a spray can, right? I mean, the company's got <laughs> right. like 400 employees now and they're doing $2 billion plus in revenue. And mm. if you look at their employee survey scores, they talk about it on Wall Street and they're doing some pretty incredible things and they have very little turnover at all from anyone because of the way they've structured the company and organization itself, right? And I think there are other businesses that are doing these things, right? And innovating. It's just a small percentage of them. But that's why you're seeing so much turnover and why there's so much opportunity for anyone out there doing anything today. Compared to where there was before and compared when I was in the Silicon Valley where the innovation <clears throat> technology 
there was so much room to go that part of the people just stayed along because they had the opportunity to make money and just the craziness. Yeah. So I, I hear you say it, it isn't necessarily you have to be friends, but you got to have empathy. You have to have to care, trust, respect, which can lead and, and being friendly in a way, but that can lead to friendship, but it doesn't have to be. It has to be those other things though. That makes sense. I think. Yeah. And they have to know your experiences, right? They need to know where right. you grew up. Some of the challenges you've had yeah. blessings in disguise, lessons <laughs> learned, right? All of those things are required because then it's a lot easier to work with someone and mm -hmm to do it in a way that's productive and do it fast and quick, right? All this stuff when you're doing it, you're not thinking about it. It's unconscious and you're driving through something, right? Yeah. And you're also willing to pull someone aside in the room and say, look, you were out of line in that meeting or this happened. So you can get rid of a lot of the conflicts and problems that tend to go up and sideways and everywhere else. They're immediately <clears throat> eliminating squash. So you don't have that problems that other people do that take up a significant portion of their time. Like I was reading a research study that the average company, you know, the average employee spends two days a month dealing with drama. Mm. Right. I mean, so <laughs> that's crazy. And, and we're not talking about, you know, crazy emails and you talk about communication problems. I mean, then the stats go up so high that they're spending so much time being inefficient that the time that they are is so low that now you're yeah. either distracted. Yep. And that's incredible. Yeah. I mean, I could go on and on. There's so much data out there right now. The problem is people will know what to do with the data and the people leading these organizations have never spent any time in this. They spent time going to MBA school, building great businesses. They don't understand how to scale them and build their leaders. So they're doing the work and leading other people. And that's another mm -hmm. huge issue that goes into scalability, right? The businesses that are good at 10 often fall apart at 100 because now those people now have to let the business go and they've got to train the people below them to be just to as do good it. as them. Mm -hmm. And that's a huge problem, right? Because they don't spend any time, oh, I'm too busy. I don't have anything. And they let it go. And yep. they find out the core of the business is starting to turn rotten because of arguments and problems and poor leaders. And then they've got to spend an enormous amount of time. And I do this all the time and conflict resolution work that I never even decided to start doing that people started coming to me for. Sure. And it's like a one, two, three mic drop. Right. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> Interesting. So that ties in perfect in the next section. So um, what would you say are, you could, you could bring in a, a personal experience or you could talk about one you've seen, but what's one of the biggest shipwrecks that you think people come across or you've come across in your career? Oh, man, there's so many of them. It's so hard, <laughs> even though hard to go. I, I would say that a lot of it starts with, you know, what you're talking about, Jessica Rhodes talking about. I think it's the self-awareness internal mm -hmm. part of it because your blind spots are the problem, the things that you can't see as a leader. I think that's part of it. I think it's lack of growth and development part that people don't do on themselves as leaders to understand that. And then I think it's because all of that goes to people yelling at each other, not listening, right? Things completely crumbling down, right? I had a business here that I knew that was in the healthcare industry and they had 400 employees and the CEO was in trouble with some healthcare companies and other people. And instead of wanting to understand why he got in themselves and why he was hiring the poor people, he just wanted to get out of the situation. It's like he wanted to solve the leaf on the tree and not the root. And that's what everyone mm -hmm. in those situations do, right? Oh, well, if I only get here, then I'll do that. Well, it never really works like that. 
because the business and yourself aren't any farther along and it's impossible for you to get to that point. So what happens? A business at large just crumbles and falls to the ground, right? There's a company, General Magic, if you Google them, um, in Silicon, that was in Silicon Valley that had the greatest mind. They recruited the best people, period, to join the team. They were like a dream, like the USA dream team with like Jordan and everyone else. And the company completely <laughs> fell apart and you never heard about it because they couldn't right. work together and they didn't do things like getting customer feedback and actually listening to the customers. And, and everyone hears that and thinks, well, that's pretty stupid. Why wouldn't anyone do that? Well, right? This happens all the time over and over again, right? The same things trip up people that cause these calamities where things end up falling down, right? Blockbuster, I was at Blockbuster and working and I remember I was sitting in the office with their CEO and now I forgot his name and we're in bankruptcy and I was doing consulting work. And he was delusional enough to think that there was a way out of that mess and it wasn't complete liquidation and dismantlement of the business, right? And I was really thinking to myself like, you know, how can a company like that with that board not look to buy Netflix? And they had so many opportunities. I asked people there to buy them over and over and over again and just refused to do it. And then they had the audacity to think, well, we can build a similar business to them so late in the game. And it was a disaster. Mm -hmm. It's, it's interesting that we call them soft skills, these people skills, but it sounds mm -hmm. to me, Jason, like, like the, these are some of the most important ones out there um, that they shouldn't be considered soft skills. These should be front and center and, and measurable in some way, huh? They're power. I call them power skills because mm -hmm. at the end of the day, when you look at LinkedIn's data or any other data about what makes up really successful leaders and managers, right? Like what skill sets do they need to have? almost all of these skills top, top to stack, right? Because the, the thing about it is, is that there are a lot of smart people out there. So you're, you know, maybe you're a little smarter than they are, but you're not going to be that much smarter than they are. Or you may have some advantage, but it's only gonna last so long. The other things that go on are really the things that are gonna make a difference, right? When people talk about creativity and innovation, well, that requires you to be able to work with other people. You can't set an amount by yourself. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, teamwork is a skill set. Very few people understand how to pull off and what to do. And people always say that to me, but then I look and talk to the teams and they're so ineffective across the board and everyone has problems, right? These are hard things to do that people have avoided. And the soft skills is because you not only have to learn them and apply them, but then you have to go back and analyze the experience and do more of it and pivot where a hard skill is you, go to a computer or learn it or sit in a classroom and then you've mastered it and you go on to the next one. And right. There's a reason why it has been so difficult to get through. Yeah. Um, so that's one of your shipwrecks. Uh, I want to flip it around and, and hear what a, a proudest moment is either as kind of as, as Remington asked it in your career so far or a proud moment that you've seen one of your clients reach that you're like, okay, boom, this is it. What's your mic drop moment? You know, I, I've seen, I've had a lot of people do things. I mean, I've had a CEO of mine go in a room full of people that was a franchise business here and his name's Tom Medine and great CEO. And he was extremely vulnerable with them, right? And I mean, he'd always been vulnerable to some level, but I think he started to view that instead of a weakness as a strength. And in that moment, the business changed. 
Mm-hmm. And people came up to him and congratulated him and were like, thanks for telling us the truth. And you can see how powerful that he was. Um, and that to me is a pretty groundbreaking thing. I had another one of my clients who was like a chairman and having to move out of going to the office every day. Um, he then got out, started some businesses, got on the board of TEDx. He's on another couple big things and it was life-changing things. And just even, I had a client recently, he was a middle-level manager and was really unhappy. And within like 90 days, he found our job making like $40,000 more and a promotion and it's night and day difference. And um, I think any of those things are great because when you start in a journey with someone like that, it's pretty non-linear that you have to get to. And you can have a set thing to do but you can't just drop in. It's not like one, two, three. Some of this stuff are systems that are used for everyone, but a lot of times they're different and it takes, requires people to have a leap of faith um, to look inward to their soul. And that's when it's most rewarding and they're proudest to seeing that because it just is an incredible thing to see people bearing their souls and jumping without a net below, but willing to do it and do it with you. Mm -hmm. That's interesting because I think, I think from a leader point of view as well, like I could see expecting that, but, or expecting, wanting that, but then also from a leader point of view, the vulnerability of that also kind of makes that okay first. So like I know from your, your Ted talk, like start with answering the question rather than start with someone else answering it first. So, you know, so I think that that's really, that's really pretty awesome. Yeah, that's, um, that's some great insight. And I'd say the other thing too that I brought up that I had a team here in Dallas I worked with that was a really high performing sales team and they had a lot of conflicts and there were a lot of problems all stemming back from some small things. And to see them do the work in a very short time of the working through the false narratives and stories and their own vulnerability and coming together and making, admitting things and then working on it and then seeing like in a couple months how they went from not liking each other, right, to now becoming a lot more friendly. And then the results were commensurate with it. Um, It's something to be proud of, but also it's humble and grateful to see that the human spirit and people can do that once you allow them to get out of their own way and allow them to be themselves. And then other people will too. And just like you said, right, it's the vulnerability that you create in that space where if you Mm -hmm. give an inch, to do it, they'll take a mile. And then that is sure. where um, some of the greatest things I think we do in our lifetime are. True. Yeah, absolutely. So if we're uh, on, a, on a journey here, Jason, we're, we're wayfinders and we need our navigational tools, right? Um, <clears throat> so I love thinking about this, especially in your, your world, navigational tools for uh, better culture, productivity, and growth. So at Impulse Creative, we're a mostly virtual, probably half and half, maybe not quite. Uh, more than that. More than that. It's almost, more than almost 75% now. Wow. Um, very it's distributed crazy. team. Yep. So we don't necessarily have these conversations over the water cooler or we sit in a room and have these things, but we do have things like what we call donuts, where we have a 30-minute meeting with somebody. We just sit and talk um, over video. Randomly selected. Yep. We have, we use Slack. We use humor. We do have some in-person visits to headquarters. Where we get together as a team or parts of teams. What dad else jokes. can <laughs> dad jokes, <laughs> which I get in trouble for now, apparently. Anyway, um, what else can a company like ours do 
to help foster that psychological safety that you're talking about and the productivity that comes from that? So I think there's several things. Once my game cards against mundanity, I think you can play it in groups of people, a video, and I think that helps move things forward. Um, I think you can do something called a how to work with me manual. And that's a manual in which everyone fills it out and then shares with each other. And it asks specific questions on what are your pet peeves, right? How do I approach you with difficult information? Um, it's a whole list of things. And what that does is it gives someone a roadmap, right? It's kind of like going to Ikea or something complicated. And then like if I stripped the instructions and I took a match and burned it and said, hey, hope you figure out what to do. Well, then you have to pick up pieces when you're trying to predict, analyze how they fit together. Well, the problem right. is that we're mainly wrong. But if someone gives you it, it does two things. One, it tells you, and two, you're much more apt to approach the other person if it doesn't go the way that they told you. And that's also really helpful. And you, you can use it with everyone in your company, and then it's easy to onboard and do things like this. I also think it's good to have some sort of code when you walk in to saying, okay, these are our guiding principles. And this is what we do. And like a pledge and that you sign it, WD40 has something. Because I think when someone has to sign something rather than just looking on the website, and then they're held accountable and there are reviews, I think it makes a huge difference in the process. And then I think, you know, the more growth and development that you can do with people on an ongoing basis is pretty important. And I think things is like a manager you can ask people or like, I have my clients do, which is hard in the beginning, on a scale of one to 10, you'd ask the people that are either your peers or people you're managing, on a scale of one to 10, how would you rate our relationship? And why, and how can I move it closer to a 10? And the reason is, is once you start doing managerial and feedback, things like this in an organization, you can really find out more of the things. You can also do post-mortems where like the Navy SEALs, you go through, you know, every time you do a project and that, and people mm -hmm. go around and it starts with the most junior person, you know, what went well, what didn't, you know, what could we do better next time and how can we implement this back in the, you know, in the company and the system and processes. And so you know, those are a few things to start doing, but I think those cultural sea changes and just simple things like on Thanksgiving, instead of having a Christmas party, having a Thanksgiving party, which I encourage people to be grateful, right. To stand out. Because everyone has Christmas parties, want to have a Thanksgiving party, right? I mean, mm -hmm. so if you keep doing these little things in a business, right, that it makes a huge difference because when you look at all the data, and I'm talking to people all the time, people want to do great work and they want to feel like they belong and it matters. That's mm -hmm. it. They'll take less money, they'll take less perks, right? None of that stuff is really working. So you've got to think about that and how are they going to do that, right? And how are they feeling every day walking in the door, whether it's virtually, remotely, or in person, like a Maya Angelou quote, right? Is, is really what you have to focus on as a manager and leader, a lot more time and a lot more time as a business. And I guarantee you people will do that and listen to it. You will see a difference in your metrics. There is no way that it will not happen because the other point I'll leave you with is about four years ago, I went around my clients that um, I thought were doing a great job and interviewed the people that were working for them to find out why they were working hard and long hours. And I had to really dig deep and I was sort of fortunate to come across this once. And then it happened with every person when I asked the question. But what I found out is they're worried about their career success, but their greatest fear is the same thing in our personal life. Letting people down and disappointing them 
are the worst and hardest conversations we'll ever have to have with people. And when you can drive that into business, people will do almost anything to make sure that doesn't happen. Right. And that is a driver that's in your soul and in the core. And it's almost bigger than your purpose at that point. And that's what I found really matters. And the teams that were doing the greatest work, every single person gave that as an answer as I started to talk and ask them that specifically. <laughs> that's really good. There's some good stuff there. Man, lots of gold, Jason. Lots of gold. Right, yeah, this is awesome. Um, so if you were to be a wayfinder for someone, um, what would your, let's say they, they're identifying some of the, the issues that you've raised. What, are, what, is the, um, what is one of the first things or the first piece of advice you would give them for like starting this journey? I would say one, do your self-awareness and, and self-reflection because your blind spots and past patterns, meaning the things that you've done early on, like in childhood and things of that nature are getting in the way right now, the things you're doing the most. Then I would tell people to focus on their soft skills and really fundamentally understand how do you build great relationships and teamwork and collaboration with the people around you? Because if you don't, you won't be able to be effective in your job and create the things that you want to do, right? Because you can be in the greatest position and find the best business and company, yet you're going to be completely ineffective if you can't figure it out, especially like in a business of yours, where it's virtual and everything else. The people in your team that are, are able to build trust quickly across all these things with people and have them are going to be doing in general better work, right? As long as they're motivated and everything else, right? Sure. But the people that can't are going to have a hard time, even if they're super smart, creative, everything else, because they want to get along with other people and get people to buy in. And those people won't want them to be successful, at least unconsciously. Gotcha. Mm. Awesome. Man, great, great advice. This has been incredible, Jason. Uh, um, before we just, before we wrap up is where's the best place for people to connect with you so they can, you know, download the game, uh, sure. check out your content, whatever. Yep. So you can go to uh, Jason and it's T R E U.com. It's pronounced Troy, but it's T R E U.com. You need cards against mundanity. There's a free version. There's a paid version. My book, social wealth on Amazon. And so there's a lot of other things. And links to your podcast. So good yeah. stuff. Awesome. Yeah. Is there anything that we didn't ask that you want to make sure people know when it comes to this growth journey of, of employee experience, driving culture and growth? I mean, I think you just have to take it seriously and prioritize it. And I think you have to find the time because if you don't, it will catch up with you. And the problem is then you'll deal with it on rock bottom and then it will be something that you have to do every day for half a year or a year and will take away significantly from your business and professional endeavors. And so I would tell people that you either do it or do you pay the piper and people will outflank you. And then you're going to reach a point where you're watching this podcast and remember and thinking, Oh geez, you know, we were all talking about this and I should have done this a year ago or two years ago. Sure. And now look at how, unstalled right and i'm sure a lot of your guests if you think like this they're successful on the rise will all tell you about people that they interacted with either in their business got the best out of or they're working with external people or whatever it might be or even learning from clients and prospects and other people right so mm -hmm. this is a challenging process but you've got to start and you've got to prioritize it 
just start. Awesome. That's right. Great. Good stuff, awesome. Jason. Remington, anything for you, man? Nope. This is great. Now my mind's spinning on it. This is uh, this has been fun. This has been fun, Jason. Thanks for right. so much Thanks. for you uh, sharing your sharing your brain with us. Appreciate being on the show with you all. Thank you for listening. If you like this episode, please share it. Post it, tweet it, gram it, email a friend. Give the gift of knowledge to someone you know that could benefit from it. And if you really loved it, please consider leaving a rating and written review on your podcast player of choice. And as always, go to wayfindinggrowth.com for resources and past episodes. Remember, we're here to help you navigate your business growth with strategic conversations and insights from experts in multiple industries. Thank you for listening to Wayfinding Growth.